Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and this is our 50th episode, um, you know, and, and I had a really, really, you know, I, actually, I should even say is I didn't really have to think about who I wanted to be my 50th guest. It was just a matter of reaching out and trying to get them, and, and I was able to get them. Super excited. Huge fan of this guy for the last eight years since I've seen his content out there. To me, one of the best guys on the microphone in all of wrestling. I don't care what organization it is. Uh, just an, a top-notch dude, uh, and has been doing some great things over the last eight years and I, I get the honor of interviewing for my 50th episode so I'm thrilled that he came on I'm thrilled that he wants to be a part of this and ladies and gentlemen you know him as the one-man thrill ride uh, but ladies and gentlemen Jimmy Abreu what's, what's going on I like that the Jimmy Abreu I, I, I appreciate that uh, things are going great man thanks for having me on yeah, absolutely. So I really wanted to dive into your career because I think you've done some amazing things. And I think that, um, you know, I really want to show it off today and ask you questions. And I'm sure a lot of people have wanted to ask you over the years. Uh, but before we do that, you know, I did a little digging into your high school athletic career. And I found out that you were a pretty standout baseball player, you know, best batting average. Um, you know, you were all first team in a lot of newspapers. You went to Mansfield High School and, you know, you went on to play baseball at Fitchburg State, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, so just, you know, this is a podcast that I interview a lot of coaches, and I like to give them the street cred as athletes. And you as a wrestler, I want to give you street cred as a high school college athlete a little bit. So my question to you is, you know, talk about your career, but maybe your decision-making as a high school kid going to decide to play baseball at Fitchburg State. Yeah, no, um, it's crazy to think about. It's like half a lifetime ago now, you know what I mean? But a lot of great memories. I mean, I think whenever I think about my athletic career, that what I was always most proud of was just my peers voting me captain. To me, that said more, and that relates more to like a life skill that matters, I think later in life than, you know, the numbers and stuff like that. But yeah, I took it seriously. Baseball was my sport. Mansfield High School at that time was really just like a football town. Uh, it was like my, and football was like my third favorite sport. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I felt, I felt like when I was there, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even get kind of respected as an athlete. You know what I mean? I kind of had that feeling. And in terms of the recruiting process and stuff like that, um, so long ago, but yeah, there's some parallels to that in wrestling, but wrestling's the entertainment business. So there's, it's a, it's a little different, but in terms of like the talent and the work it takes to get good, there are some parallels too. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I just wanted to give you your street cred there. Obviously you were a baller when you played. So, you know, I, I always like to give street cred to the guest, <laughs> but uh, you know, league. <laughs> it's a good league. It's a good league in a lot of things, you know, um, yeah. But obviously wrestling, and you mentioned it, I mean, jumping into to who you are, I mean, people YouTube you, your promos are unbelievable. There's not a lot of guys on the mic that I think can hang with anybody. I think you're one of those guys that just give you a mic, give you some time, and you can hang and cut a promo with pretty much everybody. So when did you fall in love with wrestling? Like, I'm a huge wrestling guy myself. Was there a match, a live event, a certain wrestler that just had you fall in love with it and, and just become your dream? I, it was probably the summer of 1993. I was eight years old when I really became a wrestling fan. Um, I ended up moving in with my grandparents at around that time. And uh, my uncle Joe was like a huge wrestling fan. And uh, he, uncle Joe looked at the house um, and uh, I just like macho man, Ray Savage was kind of the new generation, but the Hitman heart was around. Uh, that was when, you know, Lex slammed Yokozuna in the USS Intrepid. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it was like the Lex Express tour and like the first one, uh, you know. So actually I wrote a, you know, 
it was a movie project. I, I already told everybody about we're trying to get the thing sold right now. But like, that's the opening scene is like the day I became a wrestling fan was Halloween Eve on um, 1993 when Ludwig Borga ended the undefeated streak of the Native American Tatanka. And my father's hilarious reaction to it because my dad didn't like wrestling, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's that was probably the moment where I was like, I knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler is when uh, Tatanka got beat because Yoko sat on him after the match was over and it wasn't fair and he's hurt. <laughs> he couldn't compete. Survivor Series is in the garden in Boston. So, yeah, that's when I started becoming a fan. Yeah, I remember all that vividly as you're saying that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so it's so funny to hear you. You know, you're in the entertainment business. You're in that. And to hear that those are the same moments that I really remember, too. It's just funny. Uh, yeah. So was Thrill Ride, like, when you were in high school playing baseball and in college, was were you working on that character, like, as a baseball player? Did, were you maybe could go back then and say that's where the Thrill Ride was maybe sort of kind of born? It's funny. My, I, I think my junior year of high school, um, I – when I, I had this p- pictures from that season and like I had the rock pork chop sideburns, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, I was a huge fan, but yeah, I started like backyard wrestling when I was like 15 and that was like infamous, which probably altered the course of my athletic career was I broke my pelvis my sophomore year of college, a uh, high school and you know, baseball, you get recruited your junior season. And, you know, I don't know, Maybe I'm arrogant. I still have to this day. I never understood why I didn't play varsity my sophomore year. My father probably still talks. My, my old man still talks about it. I hit 600. I hit 600 my freshman year, 614 my sophomore year before I broke my pelvis. And I, you know, and I thought I was going to get called up to varsity anyway. That would have made my junior year, my, my, you know, my second year of varsity, which probably would have helped me from an experience. Let's get this coach on the podcast. He's got questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, we could. <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, but, uh, who cares? Where was I going with that? Who cares? You were just like, talking, about, talking about glory days. I feel terrible. You were just talking about whether the throw ride was born, you know, oh, was yeah. born so in high it, school and college. It was a, a poem. And I've told this story a bunch. Uh, so because I focused exclusively on baseball, um, you know, pretty much I realized like football was taken really seriously in Mansfield. Like, I kind of was, my arm was hurt and I decided to DH and play fall ball one year and I didn't play my junior year. So like my senior year during football camp, I had to go up on stage with the, uh, with like the underclassmen and like do a talent show at the start of fo- at football, at the end of football camp. And I went on last and, you know, it was totally inappropriate, but like we couldn't do it to, by today's standard, but I basically did this poem about like, I was relatively a good looking kid in high school. You know what I mean? But like, I didn't do very well with the ladies, yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but then I basically called my shot and then I, I said, you know, she'd be calling me the one man thrill ride. And then that was sort of how it was born. Oh, that's unbelievable. So yeah. And I always used it as like a moniker because like when I came in as a wrestler, they just called me Jimmy Preston, which I hated. I know. And we were talking about that. You were saying how much you couldn't stand that. And that's why I made sure I called you by your name because right. you know, I want people to get to know you. You play an awesome character, be a great dude too. And obviously as we're talking, we're learning more about you. So I'm going to jump into this. Uh, Fitchburg State, your promo, 2013. Uh, to me, I know that obviously other things that you, you were involved in from, you know, to that point, but in 2013, you cut, in my opinion, one of the greatest promos of all time at anything. Um, so I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask you because I'm sure there's a lot of fans that want to ask you some of these questions about this promo. So I'm just going to fire away and you can answer them as long as you want or as short as you want. I'm totally fine no matter how you okay. go doing it. Um, but again, to me, 
just I, I, I tell people you were coming on this podcast and people just laugh and, and, and the stuff that you say. So, um, you know, was that a one shot, one kill deal? Like, did you cut that? And then that was it. Like you didn't do it again. You didn't or anything before that. Yeah. One take. Okay. One take. Now when you finished that, right. Did you go, wow, I just nailed it. Or did you, is this something like you practiced a lot that you might've done this when you had free time practicing cutting promos and things like that? It's always been something I've done. So like guys who I played college ball with knew like that was what I was known for. I could literally cut promos word for word. Um, you know, famous pro wrestling promos. And like, we would do it during stretching and whatnot, you know, like, like we'd be stretching and the seniors would be like, yo, Jimmy, let's do Rick Martel, WrestleMania eight, go. And like, I just break into it, you know, cause that was what I was a fan of. And I was, I, and I was in moot court in college. So I, I competed in uh, a public speaking and we did very well. Like we competed against Boston university and some like legitimate, you know, uh, universities, Ivy League universities and like I ended up finishing like third in New England and 23rd in the country in like public speaking so like it's always been an e it came easy to me you know what I mean so I crushed every promo and that's sound that's how I felt anyway I didn't feel any different than any other promo I did you know what I mean it was just like I thought it was kind of goofy like I did the whole the whole thing the whole concept behind it was it was a funny premise it's like Al Bundy's going back to whole Kai <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. you know he's gonna and he's gonna kick butt and he would you know yeah. But yeah, you know, and, and so following up with that, what were your numbers in the alumni game? Like batting average? Like, do you remember anything about that game? Yep. Yep. I remember being on the on-deck circle. And, um, yeah, I'm in the prime of my life, like best shape of my life. And, like, I, I'm, like, getting loose and I'm tight. Like, I, the video I did was all in, like, good fun. And I remember there was this kid in the dugout on the other side. He was, like, 19-year-old kid. He was, like, <sighs> like, I was taking it seriously. <laughs> And I just, the competitive juice in me just was like, nah, F you, bro. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, kid had me uh, O2 and he threw a curve, tried to go back to all the curveball. I just had a missile on the left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I ended up going like, uh, I think I went two for three with an infield hit. We, uh, we swear to God, we pulled off the hidden ball trick. And then the kids in the dugout were like saying that like, we didn't do it right, which wasn't true. Ricky was off the rubber. I wasn't, was off the mound. It was, he was out, hidden ball trick. I think we won eight to three. So, I was just going to ask you who won. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so like there was ever read out. So that game's over, right? You go back to your car or maybe check your phone. Now, was this something that like instantly blew up or was this something that maybe it was an overnight or a few days after? When I went back to the car, there was a lot of likes. Like usually I would get like 20 likes and then it was like, bam, 250. I'm like, what's, you know, something like that. So something was up. And I guess uh, from what Dave Fortnoy told me, uh, like I got like about 10 people sent it to him. So, and then he watched it and thought it was good. And he was like, this, this guy's got talent. Put him up there. Uh, and the last question that I'll ask you about this, and this is the one that like, I'm kind of most curious about now. You're, I'm guessing you were kind of doing the math, like 27, 28 years old when you cut this promo, when you work in a job and like, obviously this blows up and begins to go viral. Do you have to like go into work and say to your boss, Hey, listen, like, uh, you know, I cut this promo at an alumni baseball game and, uh, my life's about to change. You're going to see it everywhere type thing. Or how did, how did that I, I had no idea how my life was going to change. You know what I mean? Like it was, I was scared, you know, out of my mind. Like I thought I was going to lose my job. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was, I was in my suit. Like we had our biggest annual event 
physician forum, it was called. So like, you know, I sold, you know, I was in enterprise sales in like the health IT space, you know what I mean? So like kind of a serious gig, we're talking about, you know, multi-million dollar EMR deals. And like the physicians are coming in, it's like stressful event, you need to make sure you're on your game. And it's like, we're about 30 minutes away from dinner. And all of a sudden I look over, my phone is just buzzing nonstop. And like, there's like, I got like 30 texts, like look at Barstool, look at Barstool, look at Barstool. And I was just like, I had no idea even what Barstool was at the time. And, um, and I just looked at all the computer screens around me. It was like, cause it's like an open office environment, kind of like in, um, what's the movie with the uh, office space or yeah. <laughs> in a tech. And, uh, so I just see my face over it all. I'm like, oh my, man, I'm in trouble. I got to go talk to my boss. And I go to turn to my boss and tell him, and he's pulling up my video as I'm going to turn. I'm like, oh my God. Like he watches the video goes, hey, after this, we got to talk. And then, um, but like, you know, we get in the office. I thought he was going to like bring me out. He's like, that was awesome. So, oh, that's great. He loved I think it. I, I, get, oh, I gained so much street cred. Yeah. <laughs> That's I think awesome. I was felt like I was a made man at that point. But well, yeah, I mean the thing blew up. I mean, I feel like as a young guy that at that point, like everybody was like, Have you seen this video? Have you seen this video? I mean, currently on YouTube, it's over a million views now. But um, you know, and obviously instant success, and like you said, you were kind of scared, like, oh man, this is this is gonna be crazy. So you know, obviously your life changed because you were doing a lot of things with Barstool. You were covering a lot of different events. You were on the MLB network. I mean, your videos were gold there. Uh, you know, Harold Baines was like, guy loved you when you came on. Like you, I watched that man. That guy just giggled like the entire time. Cause he was just a fan, you know, talk about how your life really, I mean, it completely changed after that. I'm sure. And just how you handled it all. I could have handled it better to be honest with you. Um, and I've learned a lot. You know, I, the, the, the attention, um, from my perspective at that point in my life was kind of a lot. And like, it was, if you know my story, you know, I never really viewed myself as a content creator. I viewed myself as a professional wrestler who used social media as a way to showcase that I had, you know, a certain set of skills that would differentiate me from others. Um, just because I'm not the biggest guy, I was a D3 baseball player, you know, 5'9", 205 or whatever, you know, so I had to have a larger than life personality and be able to do a good promo. I felt showcase that. And it's very difficult to do that at the independent level when you're not on television. So a lot of people started following me and, um, you know, I came up short on my goals and it really hurt a lot. And, um, you know, you got to learn to be mentally tough. And, you know, now, now that I'm older and stuff and I've grinded it out, it's like, I don't have the same buzz that I did, you know, in 2015 when I was like walking down the street at Gillette Stadium and like, there's like people like honking on the horn. Like, you know, I was on Barstool, you know, a lot when it was before they were a big national company, when it was a local thing. And um, to like experience that has been something that um, is kind of unique experience in life. And it's taught me to be, um, more balanced and emotionally mature as I get older and keep everything in perspective and, you know, don't buy your own hype. It can go away in an instant, but at the same time, um, never, you know, stop pursuing your dreams and your goals. And, you know, there's, there's different ways to get your foot in the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a rambling I answer, but 
No, it's not, you know, and I think it's hard to handle fame and success and it's not easy. I mean, it's not the easiest thing to do when the camera's constantly in your face, your social media is constantly buzzing and going off. Like, you know, it means your phone's going off, your computer's going off and I'm sure it was overwhelming. No one, there's no handbook for it, you know? So, um, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from, what you're thinking. And, you know, again, like you said, you, you took it as a learning lesson, but in that process, I mean, you, some really cool things, you know, that I, that I wanted to highlight a little bit. And one of these I actually got from a person that I know that works at the garden or worked at the garden that, you know, just, I'm sure you met a lot of different celebrities, but I'm going to use this one athlete as an example. They saw you one night at a Celtics game and you were kind of down by floor level or whatever. And they said they did like a double take and then a triple take and realized who it was. And that you were actually a guest of Dirk Nowitzki's that night when the Mavericks were in town because he saw your videos and loved your stuff and invited you as a guest to the game. I mean, that must've been pretty cool, but are there other guys out there too, or even women for that matter that, that reached out to you with these videos that are, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> especially with the new gimmick, there are no women reaching out whatsoever. I can promise you that they're like, this guy is a creep I'm like, playing a character sort of Nah, I play a character, you know? So, um, no, no. I mean, in terms of, well, I mean, there actually has been some women about like talking about um, maybe me discussing how like content creation has changed with the new social media algorithm and stuff. Um, and that's another reason why it's like, I haven't been pumping the content as much. I don't feel like there's as much of a need for what I'm trying to accomplish in like my career and stuff now. So I like doing stuff like this or like a podcast that's longer forming. But in terms of people who followed me, yeah, I've had like a lot of celebrities follow me kind of for a long time. Bill Burr was the one who got a, put me on the map. And to yeah. me, that one was my favorite one. Cause you know, I consider him to be top three stand-up comic in the world. He sells Ever. out arenas. Yeah. So if he's selling out arenas and he goes, this guy is money and should carry some weight. And I, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, not, not just to drop his name. Like that's kind of when, you know, I started believing in myself that maybe I could do something in, in the entertainment business. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're never, your content's great, you know, and I think that's not a, that's a really good direction as far as something that you can rely on down the road is you, I mean, let's be real. Like you built your character, built a lot of your character using social media. You're able to sell who you are. Your merchandise is great. Like you know how to build a brand and that is something that you maybe down the line when, you know, physically the wrestling isn't there anymore that you could help in the business or just help people be able to create a brand. I think that'd be, you'd be great at that actually, I think. Never say never. <laughs> um so one other awesome thing i heard and you know that's up there because you know you see on the, the nfl like you know the rick flair kind of took over for a while there with teams getting amped up and juiced up and flair either come in or cut a video i heard you a very big intricate pot i mean they talk about belichick and brady but we got to talk about throw ride because you were cutting promos. I know for the Patriots when they win these AFC championships or even Super Bowl games. So, you know, there's a lot of unsung heroes, but I think throw ride could be an unsung hero. I mean, talk about the videos you cut, how no. that all went and how that all came about. No, no, there was like, I think there was a few guys in the Patriots locker room who liked my videos. You know what I mean? So, cause I would do like wrestling style promos, like, about deflate gate and stuff like that because that was around the same time when uh you know i would say 2014 2015 when i was really pumping youtube youtube i wasn't really an instagram guy i was a youtube guy yeah uh, it was a kind of a different time but um yeah the patriots uh, i did a bunch of patriots content um and then the 2013 world series i was calling in like doing a promo for each series 
when the Sox are playing the Cardinals and WEI was making it sound like I was calling in, but they were like, Hey, can you do another one? You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, they're like, here's this crazy guy, this one man throw rod, dude. He, he wants to talk about the, you know? So then I would cut the promo. And by the third one, Maloney's like, I guess we got to keep going back to it because they keep winning. So there's this guy. Yeah. But, hey, listen, as I said, intricate pot. I mean, the fact yeah. did you get a, you should get a ring for it if anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? Maybe I should. <laughs> um, so I want to jump back into the more of the wrestling stuff with you a little bit. And again, you know, the wrestling business is not an easy business and you kind of alluded to it with a couple of different things, but the travel, the wear and tear on your body, and obviously with balancing your real life with it, you know, it's a lot of commitment, obviously training your body, so on and so forth. You know, you're a family guy, even more so now. Uh, I mean, talk about being the career of a wrestler and just maybe the ups and downs that go with it when you are wrestling on the indie circuit, trying to make a name for yourself. Well, my situation was kind of always different um, just because it kind of happened to me a little, little bit later. I, it, for me to answer this question directly, it's kind of like I wouldn't even be answering the question because, um, you know, for me, I think that was a big problem for me. I went to college, had a, you know, a degree, got out and got into a good career. And, you know, for, and I once reached that point once that video went viral what probably needed to happen was me go all in and wrestling at that point. Um, if I could rewind and do it again, and then I would have had a more demanding indie schedule. And I think that's why like, I always struggled to kind of get respect from some of my peers. Cause I really only worked at the first couple at a couple places, which was like chaotic wrestling and Northeast wrestling, which were regarded as the two best promotions in new England. Chaotic created the stars Northeast is where you started working with names, learning how the business works. And then you get, hopefully get a contract. So that was sort of my formula to get there. And then I worked some other New England promotions. So I was barely every other weekend. So I almost feel like uh, talking out of turn compared to like some of my buddies who literally were, since they were 18 years old, when I started, I started when I was 18, but you know, I went to college. I did my whole thing. I kind of came and went. I have friends who were 18 years old who stuck it out. And the grind is what they'll tell you and what I'll tell you, it's more mental than physical. One thing I just, I just love to ask any wrestler, I mean, part of obviously creating a gimmick and who you are is one thing, but talk about like developing a finishing move, like as a wrestler and you develop as a, as, as a, you know, a person or, or a persona, you obviously are trying to think of a move that one you can do and two that you can name that fits your persona. I mean, how do you go into diving into that and figuring that all out? Well, for me, it's kind of figuring out what like my skill set is like as an athlete. Um, for one thing, like I've always I was always very strong at like the fireman's carry. So I always figured like I can pretty much outside of a guy like Paul White, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could pretty much get almost anybody up in that fireman's carry position. So um, you know, I've done a TKO, I've done a Death Valley driver, and I, I like I right now toxic masculinity is like it's a TKO. It's, it's actually, I do it like a different way. I do it almost left-handed. That's always been a challenge for me because I'm a, I'm a lefty. And like yeah. the business is like, you're supposed to do a vertical suplex. For the way out, you're supposed to do a vertical suplex. I'm the weakest human being on the planet. I couldn't suplex a 105 pound 12 year old. <laughs> like shoot, like a legit one. But if I did this set, I could, you know, I could probably suplex a 250 pounder. He's like, I'm just stronger this way, but that's not the way you're supposed to do a suplex. So, but, so I do like the fireman's carry that way and spin it into like a righty cutter. So that would be toxic masculinity. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. where does that name come from? I mean, obviously that fits your gimmick pretty well, but how do you, like, yeah. were there other names that you threw around for, for that finisher? Or was that just boom, you came up with it again right away? 
I think, too, well, I mean, toxic masculinity would be my character. So I, I've used that for a finish for like three years. That name, no matter what the movie is, I call it toxic masculinity. <laughs> oh, that's gold. That's absolute yeah. gold. Um, and then obviously, and continue to develop your character. I mean, obviously, you've been a throw, you've been the throw ride for a long time or when it was first born, but you've obviously developed that character or have continued to develop it. As a wrestler, like, how do you know when it's time to maybe add something different or say a few different things? I mean, obviously, your merchandise is awesome. Like, I, I, I'd wear it all right now if I had it. Um, so I think you do a great job from that end. But talk about, you know, how you go about making all those decisions for your career. In terms of, like, catchphrases and merchandise? Yeah, just like you come up with a lot of different names and a lot of different catchphrases, and you, that's how yeah. you develop yourself. I mean, what, how do you go into, like, figuring that all out for yourself? You know, it's funny, like one thing I did, um, you know, I wrote like a one page character synopsis just because, you know, this new character, like what it was going to be. So I, I wanted to be kind of like a version of my, like a, a bad version of myself with like the volume turned all the way up with like the bow tie. Like the, oh, the bow tie is the bow tie is everything, man. If you're I a think... bad guy, if you're a good guy, it's not too... There's nothing badass about a dude in a bow tie. Right, like a, right. Like a Chippendale dancer, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I wrote the one pager. And, you know, one thing I started when I was in high school, because Dwayne, I was a huge fan of wrestling, was I had a DVD and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, talked about he has a notebook. So I have a notebook where I come up with, like, catchphrases. It's usually when I'm at the gym and I have a lot of pre-workout going on through me. And I just think about things. And, like, it's always, like, my experiences in life. And, like, with a character – it's like right now there's a lot of like, you know, he's a womanizer. He's a misogynist. He's, a, you know, this. So my mind just kind of flows that way based on like life events, bumble travel mode being activated with something like <laughs> I was single and I'm single. It's like I'm single and I'm on the road to wrestle. Bumble travel mode has been activated. Like, that's, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Like, why did you join the wrestling business? No. But um, so like, I just come up with stuff based on my real life and probably, probably need to be careful with that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it's not easy. I mean, nowadays wrestling's covered. I mean, when we were younger, man, like when something happened on raw or SmackDown, you were like, Oh my God, because you didn't know what was coming nowadays. Everything, everyone's predicting knows what's going on backstage sources, blah, blah, blah. Right. That element is lost. So you just never know what gets said or what you do or what you could do that gets you maybe into trouble or something like that. It's just, yeah, there's right. too much media covering it for sure. Um, and I try to, that's how I try to differentiate myself is very rarely do I do di interviews like this where I'm just totally myself just because it takes away the allure. But at the same time, it's like, I almost have to, to kind of protect myself just so people know that I am playing a character. Yeah. I'm just a character at the end of the day. I mean, you got some people, I'm sure that you probably see some of the same people when you go to different shows and you're throwing the middle finger up or have something to say about you. And you're like, dude, I just play a character. Like you really yeah. hate me this much. Yeah. Oh, I've had some hurtful stuff like hurled, hurled at me, you know, and yeah. like stuff that's like deeply personal that like only people that are really close to me know, like, and they're wearing, and like the, the image is obviously not them. It's like, it's no, you know, there's a lot about social media that's pretty, pretty abhorrent. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of social media anymore. It's like, that's sort of where I'm at. I love being an entertainer, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just, you know, in terms of me using it as like a platform to be an entertainer, it's like, ugh, 
I'd rather yeah. I'd rather get paid to do a role in a TV show or something, you know, because yeah. it's just it's brutal and there's a lot of you just gotta ignore the comments and rise above it. But it's just and there's it's just brutal. Yeah, you know, and I can imagine, like you mentioned earlier, just getting all that limelight on you and all that stage light on you. There's going to be a million people who love you, but there's always going to be the haters that have something to say or, you know, attack you in ways that you're just kind of like, really? Like, this is what you're doing right now with life. You're coming after me. You don't even know me. Um, It's pretty pitiful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, and then obviously in your career, like you've been to a lot of different places, you've met a lot of different people in the business. I mean, who were some of the biggest influences on you as far as wrestling went that really kind of uh, helped you out in a really positive way? Um, if any, <laughs> if any. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of the best way to, like, do you mean like as a fan or do you mean like actually? In the Just business? like maybe somebody in the business, you know, that, that helped maybe guide you as far as like the steps to take and how to develop yourself and giving you good advice, things like that. Um, yeah, I would say right now he probably wouldn't want the credit, but uh, Kurt, my buddy, Kurt Adonis, who's the uh, current ring announcer. He's an unbelievable ring announcer for Northeast Wrestling. Um, he's a very successful dude who just wants to stay involved with the business. He was a great worker back in his day, great wrestler. And, um, you know, he was the one who really pushed me along with my friend, Mark Sherman really pushed me to kind of make one last effort in wrestling. Um, he's like, dude, you're too talented to give up. I know they're trying to go younger, you know, maybe they'll make an exception for you. Um, cause they just like, you know, they see me, you know, at it for about eight years. Uh, and Kurt's last wrestling match was my first one with Northeast Wrestling in 2013. I got squashed by Vader. My body slammed. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, and um, great memories, but also like he's just uh, he's helped me kind of um, really figure out what the business about is about and help me kind of formulate a plan to try to you know try to get there. You never know you know what can happen. So keep on pushing, keep on wrestling. And, um, you know, the wrestling business needs more mentors. You know, it it can be kind of a toxic business at times. If you can find a high quality person who knows what they're talking about and wants to go to bat for you, that's somebody you want to associate yourself with. And that's not just in wrestling, that's in any business. So um, that's what I'd say about Kurt. Yeah. I mean, that's great. It's nice to have people in the business that can help you out who've been there and done it and you feel like have the best interest out for you and not necessarily telling you things that, you know, might not be great for you, but might be good for them, you know, in, in, in a different way, you know, so. And as somebody who's not afraid to tell you when you need to get your button gear, when you need to, um, you know, Kurt was instrumental in, you know, me getting my button gear at like one point this summer. So, <laughs> and, and I'm truly grateful for it. Hey, it's, 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 it's great. Like you said, to have that mentor, to have that person to kind of believe in you. And that's sometimes all you need to really get it going and, and get to that next gear for sure. As you're training. Um, so there's, you know, I mentioned this before at the top, but there's not many people on the mic that I don't think you could hang with. And one, one match that, you know, you've had within the last year, uh, is with Enzo Amore. Uh, Enzo is a huge fan of coming out of NXT, obviously on the mic. He's, he's one of the best around. And when I saw that you two were battling against each other, my first thought was like, man, these guys are going to kill it on the mic. Their promo is going to be unreal. Um, and, and, you know, just seeing you get to work with a guy like that. I mean, just talk about, yeah, getting on the mic with someone like that, but also wrestling a guy who's, you know, has been at that highest level and, and what you might've learned from him wrestling with him. 
Uh, I think the biggest thing I learned from him is that like I belonged, I felt, you know, and I owe Enzo a lot. He was like the first name I worked with, uh, him and him and Cass who like, uh, who really pushed me, uh, basically told me like to believe in myself and continue to push. And, um, you know, I'd work with those guys and, you know, those guys made and drew money in the big leagues. And, um, and so, you know, I worked with him and it was a big confidence builder for me. And, uh, you know, Kurt was at ringside and he was like, dude, I saw something tonight. I saw a click for you. And it was the first time where, uh, pro wrestling felt like baseball to me. I always came through the curtain, like football, like fired up. I was a baseball player. It was like, and I learned I was way too intense. I was way too nuts. You know, there was no control of my emotions. I was too fired up. And it's more like baseball. You need to be relaxed. You need to make sure that you're focused. Um, Cause if you do that, you don't blow up. You don't, you stay in character. Like, so you know, and that was that night with Enzo. He made me feel like, dude, we're going to crush it. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, now he just got signed by MLW. He's a great guy. He's a great wrestler. And it's good. he deserves to be under contract to begin with. And um, I'm glad to see he's, he's doing he's doing well. And um, he's been a good influence. And so is, so is Cass. Yeah, and, it was uh, cool to see you guys. I mean, I mean, two Mike guys. And I mean, I'm not just saying because you're here, like, that was my first i was like man uh, that is gonna be one hell of a show with those two talking you know and yeah we and we didn't really talk besides before the match because we were a main event match so we both had promos leading up to it and um we had 15 minutes and we wanted to have like that 15 minute tv style match you know they could have opened up uh starcade 92 you know what i mean (laughs) like we wanted one and we, we did exactly what we wanted to do so i was very happy with the match Awesome, man. Probably the biggest match of my life up to that point, you know, because I knew at that point I started to accumulate, you know, some matches with guys who have, like, real good credibility. You know, him, Cass. I worked with, uh, you know, at the time, Christian Casanova. Now he's uh, Carmelo Hayes, who's the North American champion at NXT. I've worked with Tommaso. So now it's like it's gotten to the point where, you know, I've I've worked with a number of guys under contract. And, um, you know, the experience is there now. So, um, Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like, obviously you've wrestled some, I mean, you know, some of those names you mentioned, like I know all those names, you know, and part of you mentioned that was one of the biggest matches to, to that point was I know that you recently kind of wrestled with AEW and I'm guessing that's one of the bigger matches that you've had in your career. So obviously you've been doing shows with guys and you feel like, Hey, I belong and, and people see it and people believe it as well. How did the AEW opportunity pop up for you? And, you know, just talk about maybe the experience of, of wrestling with them. You know, it's, it's one of those things that it's an opportunity to get your foot in the door and build some relationships and just go out there and do the best job that you can uh, with the opportunities you're given. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. I tried to make sure that I was nice to everybody. I shook everyone's hand or said hi to them and uh, had a good attitude and made sure I, uh, you know, did the, did the work um, the best of my ability. And I think I did that, you know, I did the best I could that opportunity. So just continue to try to get there and, you know, there's, there's lots of places to work, lots of places to get contracts with. Um, so, and there's lots of different avenues in each organization. So I never say never. Bless my heart. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, but you know what? You're a grinder, dude. You work hard. I mean, you, you're, you've built yourself in a lot of different ways. I mean, 
I no doubt. I mean, maybe this podcast will do it for you, right? But like, I mean, you never know, man. Yeah, I just want people. I I think people seeing the real side of you, and this was like really a cool thing that you know when I reached out to you, was like, hey, I want to catch this different side of you. I mean, there's so many awesome things that you've done, and you know, in character, yeah, I'd be laughing for an hour, you know, nonstop at the stuff that you, I'm sure you would say. But I really wanted to get people to know who you are a little bit more because I think that you know, along that road, you've learned a lot of lessons, and you've got that work ethic, and it's grown even more to to really accomplish yourself. And being a dad, I'm sure I know being a dad is even more motivating for you to, yeah. to well I would say it's more than motivation I would be it's inspiration you know what I mean and I think that's what I've learned I used to call myself like absolute savage and the intensity and I've learned that it's really about growth right I it's about having a growth mindset and it's about more about consistency and self-discipline than it is about just being a maniac all the time I'd be an absolute savage and c4 and all that stuff that I used to do with that like kind of different you know older gimmick I'm kind of the same thrilly I'm, I'm in the gym just as long, man. I'm in the gym 21, I would say 14 to 21 hours a week. And um, I'm actually just about to go back. I, I, don't, I did like six sets of back and I, my son was a little sick. So I had to sneak out. <laughs> poor, poor guy got a stomach bug, but then I got to watch the Patriots win. So it was good. Yeah. And then, so now after this, I got to hit it. But um, yeah, so I've been working my butt off to try to get back in shape. I'm 36. I'm in the best shape of my life. So um, yeah, I mean, dude, you're ripped and chiseled out of your mind. It's kind of insane, actually. It makes me like want to start working out as soon as this podcast is over. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying, dude. I, you know, it's been it's been good though to just have that goal uh, of just trying to get in great shape again. It feels good. It gives you purpose, and it's about understanding your why. You know, my first time around, it was kind of just about me and my dream, and now it's kind of about my son. So it 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 gives it more meaning. And when you know your why, you find the how to be a lot easier. You know what I mean? So um, I think that applies to athletics too. So, yeah. So, so, I mean, you're saying that, and I guess I'll just ask you this, like, what is your advice to young kids or young, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds looking to get into the wrestling business that, you know, you would give them, I mean, you've kind of said some of that a little bit as finding your why and so on, but anything else you would add to that as far as advice you'd give to them? I would say always trust your instincts and believe in yourself and if you have the talent, the work ethic, and the desire to do this, know why you want to do it, and don't let anyone stop you. And I think I was always kind of pressured to kind of have like that four-year degree and kind of play it safe. And um, that's a great plan too. And I don't want to tell any parent to give the you know, or tell anybody to have the wrong. I don't want to speak out of turn, but if you have the skill set, you got to go all in and, and go for it and give yourself a window, get yourself a degree, have a side hustle, um, but always never stop wrestling and always put it first. And, um, you know, personal training is a good job that you can get into. Um, you know, if you, you know, had I done it again, I would have went to college, got an exercise sports science degree and been a personal trainer. Cause that's the perfect job to, to complement a wrestling schedule. You know what I mean? It's not traditional nine to five. So I would say something like that, get yourself a degree, a stable kind of flexible job and bust your butt in the gym, have a good look, get well-trained by somebody who's reputable, who has good contacts and work on your promos and your character and, make it your mission in life. And if that's what you want to do, 
um, you can make a big difference in the world with your platform in a very positive way. So that's another motivator for me. That's awesome. That's great advice. That's great advice for any walk of, of line of work whatsoever. So um, awesome. And I guess the last thing I'll ask you for our two minute drill here is just like, what's next for the thrill ride? Like anything you can share with us, anything you got going on, matches, opportunities, anything that you can tease us here a little bit about? I can't, I got a lot going on in the background and uh, I kind of made a commitment to myself that moves move in silence. Uh, if I have anything special to announce, I'll let you know, but I'm working on a lot of stuff. I think just because I'm not consistently pumping content like I used to, that uh, like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm actually doing a lot, yeah. uh, but it's like, gotta, gotta wait for a shoot to drop. You know what I mean? But I'm going all out, man. Multiple, we're talking auditions, uh, you know, the movie thing. I got other projects that I'm, I need to get approved. And then there's wrestling and there's all the different, organizations and stuff i got a show coming up november 20th i don't know where at yet because i'm double booked i just realized like just now so i gotta call the promoter but it's probably going to be in rockland mass um for new england championship wrestling on november 20th yeah november 20th all right well listen we're gonna we're gonna try to come to one of your shows i'd love to cover you i'd love to cover the behind the scenes all access to the thrill ride uh, I'm a fan, man. I think you're going to do something really special really soon. And uh, yeah, uh, anything. We, we do anything for you, man. I appreciate you coming on as the 50th guest today and just killing it. Really killing it. Thank you for having me on. Glad to be number 50. Yeah, man. All right. So listen, we're going to jump into our last part. It's our two minute drill. So this is how it goes. I'm going to fire some rapid fire questions at you all pertaining to wrestling. Nothing that's going to be controversial. That's going to make you go, uh, you know, nothing like that. Cause <laughs> I'm right. sure you can handle it all, but, um, I'm, you know, I'm right. Uh, right. I'm the so, one man chill ride today. today. I'm just so <laughs> very chill, you know, and, and, yeah. and I love it. You know, I just think that, yeah, like I said, I just wanted to show you off as who you are and I think you're a great dude. So, Thanks, uh, all right. So two minute drill, here we go. I'm going to fire away. Greatest wrestling match you've ever watched as a spectator in your entire life. Austin Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13. Oh, that's a good, wow. That's a great one. That's a great yeah. one. Okay. Um, Whose theme song would you take? If there was one theme song you could take and use it for one night, whose theme song would it be? This is going to be so obscure. The diehards are going to like this one. The Dicks. They're a tag team. One of them, Chad. And who's the other one? The guy came out of Boston. He was in my first battle royal in New Bedford in 2002 when I was a senior in high school. But he ended up being this tag team of dicks. They were like male strippers. That was the whole game. It was 2005 <laughs> at the end of the Attitude Era. And because I'm kind of doing that look now. So, and I listened to the theme song and I was like listening to it on repeat at the gym, like just banging out biceps. Like such, <laughs> such a tool. So like the male stripper song. But it's like, it's like grungy rock. Like you would, you'd hear at a strip club. So that's perfect. Okay, there we go. You did a good job. Uh, whoever wrote that song, whoever composed that song at WWE uh, did a great job. We're going to find it. We're going to find it, and we're going to put the it dicks. together for you. <laughs> uh, one wrestler that you would love to take on past or present in a main event of WrestleMania? Uh, Roman Reigns. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the red flag here. I'm going to ask why Roman Reigns of anybody, of anybody. Isn't he the world champion right now? He is. He's got, he's got a heck of a streak going on. You want to take on the best? I would like that payday. Yes. <laughs> be a nice payday. I would take on Roman Reigns. That's awesome. That's great. Um, 
best I would, actually I would love to see you and Heyman on the mic. You and Heyman against each other on the microphone would be unbelievable, actually. Maybe Heyman could be my manager. Give me some credibility. <laughs> um I just 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 give me a shot. Uh, give me listen, a shot, Paul. We'll give put it out shot. there. We'll put it out there everywhere. Every every place will flip upside down with this. Um who would you say is the best wrestling match? I mean, you might have I mentioned it earlier, the best wrestling match you ever had with somebody. Depends how you look at it. To me, um, if you look at it in, as a business, the best match I had was with Enzo. It was, a, it was a money match. It was the main event of the night. Talk him into the building, hit the time, got the one baby face, got the, the one pop at the end like you're supposed to get. It's, uh, you know, everybody else, you know, they, they, re, they mistake a, uh, re, people reacting for moves for a pop. In reality, there's a business to a wrestling match, and we executed the business like in a, like a TV-style way that was probably the best match of my career. Awesome. I would say that one, but, like, uh, in terms of, like, ranking, like, Dave Meltzer style, my second match with Brian Fury, which was my last wrestling match um, before my hiatus, it was uh, around July or August of 2015. That was probably my best match other than that. Okay. Okay. Um, favorite wrestler of all time. Favorite wrestler of all time. My favorite was The Rock. And growing up, it was Bret Hart. So those are my two guys. I try to, uh, and I think, like, I have an over-the-top promo style like Dwayne Johnson. Right. But, like, I like to wrestle like Bret Hart, like that era. You, you know what I mean? Backbreaker, Russian leg sweep, you know what yeah. I mean? Selling body parts. I thought Brett sold great. I try to sell like Brett. I have French Canadian heritage. Like I always liked the French Canadian wrestlers because I felt they made it more believable. They're more believable workers. So that's how I try to be. So it was like Brett was a big influence on me. Awesome. Um, and my last question to you in this two minute drill, your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, who would be the four wrestlers you put on your Mount Rushmore? Top four all time. I think I'd go... Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Rock. I love it. I agree. I Macho totally Man agree. 5, Cena. Cena's got to be up there. Um, and but I put Brock up there too. So yeah. that's like, yeah, I know we're getting a seven. That's trying to come up with a top 10 list there. But yeah, the top four, I would stick by what I said. Yeah, I think that's a pretty strong top four, all the influential in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, you survived the two minute drill throw ride. Um, as I said to you before, and I'll say it again, like this was an honor, uh, episode 50, being able to put this out there. I've had a lot of people be like, when are you having them on? When are you having them on? So I'm excited to get this episode out there. And I know you're busy. You've got a lot of stuff cranking. You're, we're a huge fan of you. You know, you're welcome back here anytime. And like I said, take me up on that offer at some point. We'll come and docu-style, follow you around. It'll be one hell of a night. It'll be a lot of laughs and it'll be a great show. Awesome, man. I would love to do that. So thanks for having me on. And um, looking forward to coming back on again. Yeah, awesome. All right, so from Beyond Podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis. One man thrill ride. Till next time. See you, thanks.